welcome to episode five of one-on-one on the bottom line podcast i'm jimmy finizzi i hope that you're doing well i'm not going to waste any more time this is going to be a short pre-introduction to our next guest because quite frankly he needs no introduction in conclusion of our four-part series on this series with first to 11 and concrete castles i'm going to have with me the man who started it all for everything from rock school studios in erie pennsylvania to first to 11 themselves from the origins of m4 to where they are now the whole deal i am going to be joined by ryan kreisiak momentarily this is going to be a very fascinating and entertaining conversation so with that being said we're not going to waste any more time sit back relax have a good time and enjoy this exclusive interview with ryan kreisiak of first to 11 enjoy well, like I said before, we ain't wasting any more time. Once again, this is episode five of One on One on the Bottom Line Podcast. And in conclusion of our four-part series with our friends in First to Eleven and Concrete Castles, here he is, the man that started it all, Ryan Kreischak, is in the building. Ryan, how the heck are you doing, man? Thank you so much for doing this. I'm doing so good today. Thanks for having me. No, dude, are you kidding? It's absolutely my pleasure. Thank you again for agreeing to do this. So let's not waste any more time here and dive right into the swing of things. So once again, I know people are probably sick and tired of me asking the origin story, but you know what? I don't give a damn. I'm still going to ask it anyway, because I am always fascinated by how people got started in their careers. So with that being said, how did you get started? Was there any like specific musical influences Uh, Did one of your family members encourage you to get started? How how did you first find out about music? I I guess I became that age, you know, 10, 11, 12, where music started to be, you know, equally as important as television did. Um, (laughs) You know, I was just like, you know, all into TV shows and stuff like that and cartoons when I was little. And then I kind of discovered, you know, just some songs that meant something to me. And and it's like silly, but like, uh, I was always like, I don't know. I was always like crushing on some girl when I was in school. And like there was a, a Mariah Carey boys to men collab that I think was probably one of the very first songs that I was like, Oh, that got me, you know, that's my life in that song. And uh, I think that was like kind of the first like thing that I, that I identified with music. And then um, I was just telling the story the other day, like the first time I heard like a heavy distorted guitar, um, I think was like, on a WWE like thematic um, entrance music like CD that they had, it was called like Full Metal or something like that. Okay. It was all about like wrestling entrance themes, and and I heard like some palm muted guitars in in one of those songs, and I was like, oh dang, what is that? What is that instrument? And then uh, Marilyn Manson's Beautiful People was another thing. The da 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 da. I was like, oh, that's so heavy. What is that? <laughs> um, and then it it turned into Metallica. Um, Cause one of my buddies in the neighborhood, like got into Metallica and, you know, I heard like for whom the bell tolls and, you know, mm. it was that same sound again. And I was like, all right, I got to figure out what that is. Figured out it was electric guitar. And then uh, I think at the time, you know, we had, we only had one music store in town and I was like, mom, take me to, <laughs> take me to world of music. Uh, I want to buy a guitar. And I sold, I sold my Nintendo 64. So like, what? Yeah, to buy my guitar. So this was like, yeah, 1996 or something like that. So I think that was right when Nintendo 64 came out. I had it for, I don't know, a year, maybe six months or something like that before I was finally like, nope, this is my like most prized possession. I'm going to sell it and I'm going to use it to buy a guitar. Wow. (laughs) But selling the N64 part kind of breaks me a little, not going to lie, because I still have mine. I am not I am not selling that to anybody. That is my prized possession. I ain't touching that. But no, in, in, in all seriousness, though, look, I completely understand where you're coming from. So what you're saying is because you watched WWE and because you've heard all of these, you know, mainstream 80s, um, like heavy metal type bands, that's how you first got started into playing guitar? Yeah, but it was like, it was kind of weird because... You know, I listened to Rocket 101, which was like the local rocket station or rock station in, in my town. And they played Motley Crue and, and Ozzy and, you know, stuff that I guess I never really identified with before. 
Right. Um, and it wasn't until I just heard those specific songs that like presented it in a certain way. Cause I was never like a diddly, 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 like guitar kind of guy. Like I never really liked soloing. I never really liked playing really fast. Right. It was like about that heavy, you know, palm muted, distorted kind of tone. And, you know, I heard it in those couple songs and, and that aggressive kind of nature to it that, <laughs> that really got me like excited about it. Yeah, no, that's that's really cool because I I know that you are you're also a huge um a huge country guy and you're also in a country <laughs> band more more on that later but that's really really fascinating because rock music was my first love as well yeah I I grew up listening to bands like of uh, Kiss Queen ACDC my, my my dad my dad used to be a DJ in high school and he still has all the the vinyl records from like oh, ACDC wow. he's got Kiss he's got Queen he's got freaking Aerosmith so. He got he got me into the classic rock genre, and that's actually how how I got started with uh, playing guitar. And again, for those that don't know, I do play guitar myself, <laughs> so that's kind of one of my big big influences. So, at the time you first started playing guitar, have you had any interest in um, joining a band? Like, were you interested in performing at that time? Like, what what were you feeling when you first picked up an instrument? Yeah, I think that was, uh, I mean, the ultimate goal. Um, okay. Like I had a couple of my, my friends from the neighborhood uh, that were all into Metallica and stuff with me. So we had, you know, probably three or four guys that all played guitar. And, you know, we found someone at school that played drums as well. Um, and we, we got together in like my mom's basement. My mom was always really cool about that. Um, I... I like moved my room down to the basement. So I had all this extra room for like guitars and amps and stuff like that. Like once I got into it, it was like, it took over my life. You know what I mean? I was looking at catalogs and like, I'm going to buy this guitar next and I'm going to buy these microphones and I'm going to buy this PA system so that we can, you know, we can go out and play shows. And, you know, I was like looking in the, the local like uh, magazines and stuff like that for like contests that we could enter. Cause it was hard being like, you know, 13, 14, being like i need to find a place to play um so i was like looking for contests and we entered like in my high school talent show and like these other little things around erie that were like you know battle of the bands kind of things and a lot of them like uh, you know they fell through for one reason or another they didn't have enough interest but like i did get to play my talent shows at my high school and i think that was like my very first like real live performance and uh I, I just got like a bunch of my friends together. Some of them didn't know how to play instruments, but they were like, dude, I want to be in your band. So I taught them how to play instruments. So that was kind of like where the rock school started was me teaching my friends. Like they were like, I love music. I want to play in a band, but I, you know, I don't, I don't know how. So I showed a lot of my friends how to play guitar and drums. And, um, and then we put together a band to play my talent show at school. And, and that was like the, the beginning of me performing on stage. That's awesome. Now we'll get into more of the origins of uh, the rock school in a little while. Cause I know that was probably a really, really huge deal for you since you were starting to teach kids instruments. So we'll get more into that in a little bit, okay. but I want to talk about your first live performance for a second. Like what were your emotions going through at the time? Like, were you nervous? Were you excited? Did you not want to go on stage? Like what, what were you <laughs> think? What were you thinking at that time? What was young Ryan Christ? Now granted you are still young. Don't get me wrong. But what was a young girl, Ryan Christ <laughs> thinking at the time you were first going to go on that stage and perform in front of people? I mean, there were, there was another band that was in my, um, my school that was, like pretty well seasoned they um they went out and they played a lot and they were all my friends as well so they they were kind of like the big brother band that i always like looked up to and okay. uh so playing like these talent shows they were also playing too so i really just wanted to like i wanted to do what they were doing you know um and it was kind of hard because they all had musicians that had been doing it for a long time and i was just putting together like people that were just learning how to play and uh yeah, I, I was always like anxious about it, but like excited at the same time. And that's the way that it is, you know, to this day that like whenever we're doing something new or an, like being presented in a new way, like live streaming or, you know, trying to do something that's just not, you know, the typical thing that we do every weekend um, mm -hmm. or every week. It 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 definitely gives me like a little bit of like, oh, I really got to make sure this is good. And it, and it consumes my brain for like that that week. And then when it's over, it's over. And then I'm like, all right, now that's under my belt. Now I can repeat that. And it's not a big deal. But yeah, every time I do something for the first time, it gets like, 
very consuming. Like I get lost in it and it, it stresses me out a lot, but I always know, you know, that in the end it's going to work out, you know, because of that over-preparedness and because of the, the amount of uh, detail that I go into like preparing for it. So it's, uh, I'm at least aware that like my brain is, is giving me this anxiety for like basically no reason. <laughs> so I can like kind of turn it off a little bit that it doesn't like get the best of me, I guess. Well, hey, you know what? It's better to be over-prepared than not prepared at all. So that yeah. that's definitely that's definitely relatable, man. We're talking to Ryan Kreshiak on the Bottom Line podcast of First to Eleven. So now I want to talk about the origins of Rock School Studios. Again, it's located in Erie, Pennsylvania, for those that don't know. I know you've mentioned a little bit before about how you started that by you starting to teach some of your friends how to play guitar and stuff. But other than that, what drove you to really start the Rock School? So I was just playing in bands basically after high school. I was just, I was in vans going and playing shows all over, uh, you know, the area that we live in. And I never really thought about teaching until um, one of my friends, he was, he was moving out of state and he had a teaching job at that same, you know, local music store that, that I bought my first guitar. Right. And he was, he was leaving, um, he was leaving Erie to go. I think he was going to Portland or somewhere, somewhere really far away. And, uh, he wanted to go see this girl that lived in Washington, DC before he left. He was like, you know, I got to go see this girl. And I was like, Hey man, I'll drive you down there. So I drove my friend, he didn't have a driver's license or a car or anything. So I drove him to Washington, DC so that he could hang out with this girl. And I just like waited in the lobby of like her dorm room for a couple oh, hours. Gosh. <laughs> and, uh, and then I drove, drove him back home. Cause I just, you know, I was a kind of a spontaneous spur of the moment kind of dude back then. And, uh, right he was, he was just like, Hey man, I'm leaving this job. Thank you for doing this for me. Like, I want you to have this job, like if you want it. So he, he gave me all of his students that he had accumulated at this, this music store. And I had like, never really thought about teaching before I was, I was doing it. I was teaching my friends without really like, I should do this as like a profession. I should charge for this or whatever. So yeah, he gave me that job at the local music store. And that's kind of how I fell into teaching. And then when it came to, you know, having students like Matthew and Ben, who was one of the original guitar players in, in M4 before it was first to 11. <laughs> um, and then I was like, you guys are all the same age. You guys are, you know, all the same you know, talented kids. Let's get a band together. There's no point, you know, not no point, but like, that's the goal. You know what I mean? Is to be in a band, not to play in your bedroom by yourself. So uh, I got that all together and the parents were super helpful. Uh, and they were like, no, you should, we'll pay you to do this. And I just wanted to do it as like a, a, a nice bonus or whatever to me teaching them lessons. But they were like, no, let's do this. And, and then once those kids started playing out M4 and, uh, you know, other kids saw them, they're like, I want to be in a band. And other parents were like, I want my kid to be in a band. And then it just turned into the rock school. So at one point, I think I had 10 or 12 bands all by myself with all different aged kids. And, uh, yeah, I just got the ball rolling, you know, again, through the the local music store, they gave me like a, a room in the back and they let me, let me do my thing back there. And eventually we just got a little too big for, for being back there. We were, we were getting a little too crazy, I think with our schedules and shooting videos and stuff like that. And I just had to find my own place. So that's why we opened uh, the studio that we have now. That was kind of going to lead me into my next question, which is the origins of M4. Tell me what you were feeling at the time that you had Matt, Ben, and all the other students. Because if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe M4 was one of the first bands that you ever worked with. Am I correct in saying that? Yeah, they were They were the okay. beginning. Yeah. Okay. So it was it was uh, Matthew, who's still in First to Eleven. Ben, yes, um, who formerly was a guitar player. Uh, Bo, who's a guitar player. His brother Charlie, who was the drummer in First to Eleven, and uh, Chad, the bass player. So right. They were like my my first group. So it was three guitar players, bass, drums, and then at the time we were doing um, like my friends would just come and sing because okay. they didn't have a singer. But right. then they found. Uh, a male singer, his name was Steven. And then they found a female singer that was Catherine. So we did like male, female kind of 
they traded off back and forth during the shows for a while. Right. And then, uh, they both left to pursue like sport related activities. And then that's when we found Audra. Oh, wow. So that, so that's the origin story of how Audra came in the picture. All right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but now I want to, I want to discuss Matt for a second here. Cause I, I had him on before and I asked him, um, we were talking about like what the biggest lesson that uh, he's learned throughout his time being in a band. And he mentioned the word consistency, which I think is very, very fascinating because I think consistency is the most important thing that you can learn, whether it be for anything, whether it be with what you're doing, whether it be with what I'm doing, whether it be that you're like a, a painter, like whatever Con- consistency yeah. is the key to like everything. So besides consistency, working with Matt for so long, who I think is basically like the only original member of everything, really. What have you learned most from him throughout your time working with him? You know, it is, it is that it is consistency. Like Matt, um, you know, I'll be honest, but this this is going to come around and it'd be very nice to him. I promise is that uh, he was, he wasn't, uh, he wasn't the best guitar player. You know what I mean? Out of the gate. He was, and it's not like he was bad at all. He was still right, right, yeah. But um, you know, there's some students like Sam or or Ben that they just learn differently. They they naturally kind of take to things, and um, I think Matt's um, thing that he is just like gifted at is performing. You know what I mean? He he's always had to work really really hard to be a good guitar player. Whereas the right. other students were just kind of naturally good guitar players, but they were kind of awkward at performing. So, um, you know, there's there's a different way for everybody. But um, it was the consistency is that he he never he never missed practices. You know what I mean? He always put this as a priority over other sports, over you know his friends, over everything. Is that he was just dedicated. And, mm. and it was consistent for him. Like, it wasn't like, I wonder if Matt's going to show up for his lesson today. It was never like that. He was always there, always ready to help, always, you know, wanted to learn about, you know, how to set things up and how to tear things down and how to do things, uh, you know, the proper way. And it wasn't like <clears throat> me telling like some of the other students, like, you have to learn how to do this. He wanted to learn how to do that sort of stuff. So he was, you know, just consistently interested. He was consistently there. He was consistently present in everything that we were doing. And even though he might not be the fastest learner, and again, it's not like he's a slow learner. He just wasn't the fastest, um, but he was there for everything. So uh, when it comes to consistency, I kind of relate it to, you know, you're doing like a Chinese auction or something like that. And the more tickets you put in there, the more chances you have of winning. So when you show up day after day after day after day, you know, when that big opportunity does come, you've got all these tickets in there. You know, you've, it could come this day, it could come this day, and you don't want to have it come on the day that you're not there or the day that you didn't pay attention or the day, you know, that you, uh, you could have missed out on something. So uh, that is 100% it. And when it comes to like making videos, I'm sure that's the consistency that he was talking about. It's kind of like, let's make a video every single week. So when an opportunity does come, uh, if we would have said, you know, when we do this cheap trick cover, uh, that might not do very well. Let's not do a cheap trick cover. Like we were like, ah, it might not do well. Let's put it out anyways. So we just took every opportunity and, and put out a video as often as we possibly could. And uh, I want to say that one of the videos that we just like jammed in there on like a Wednesday, not even like a normal day that we release a song, that was one of the videos that got noticed by this person that gave us, you know, this opportunity that led to this opportunity. So, you know, a lot of times it's the, the ones that weren't necessarily the sweet child of mine videos that, you know, have millions and millions of views. It was something that was like kind of meaningless and trivial. And we we're like, Oh, why would we do that? But that turned into, you know, this great opportunity somewhere down the road. So, like I said, it's just putting, putting, you know, buying a lot of lottery tickets or buying, you know, a lot of Chinese auction tickets or whatever, you know, you're just putting more hats in the ring and you're, you know, it's, it's going to pay off eventually. Pretty sure you're going to make Matt cry. If he's watching this video right now, he's just, he's just probably going to like come and like beat you up next time you're in the studio. Just like, no, what are you saying to me about this? But no, in, in, in all seriousness, that is, that's really, really fascinating stuff. And look, 
that's why that's why Matt is Matt is one of the best to ever do yeah. it. He, he, he really has. Uh, <laughs> he always Wait, makes uh, fun of me because every time I compliment him, it comes in like some sort of backhanded way. <laughs> like, <laughs> You know, well, I tell that's... him like he's the greatest student I've ever had, but then in the same sentence, I'll be like, he was terrible at the beginning. He was awful. <laughs> well, and that's like that's what he focuses on. He's always just like, you said I was terrible to everybody. I'm like, yeah, but I said you were the best eventually. And he's like, ah, it doesn't matter. Well, that's that's one way to backhand comment. I can say that. That's that's something I could never do because I'm 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 just too nice like that. But anyway, going to from M4 to now the origins of first to 11, which is where you guys are right now. Obviously a lot of mainstream successes right now, more on that in a little later, but I know the first time that um, Neil and I had you guys on this show, you guys mentioned that you got the name first to 11 from a game called Volleybonk. Who yeah. made up that game? I don't know who like really, really made it up. My, my friends that were in that band that I was telling you about in high school that like I kind of looked up to, they were um, they went to Tallahassee and I like tagged along with them. And it was just a game that we I don't know the people there knew about it or made it up. I'm not sure where it really started, <laughs> but, you know, we just had this this ball from Walmart and uh, we just kind of invented our it was like, you know, poor man's tennis, I guess is that we we didn't have tennis rackets and tennis balls so we just went to whatever you know we went to walmart and found what we could afford which was these you know three dollar inflatable plastic one of those, like plastic balls. walmart balls that you find on yeah the shelf. yeah yeah i got so you we bought one of those and used our hands so we just kind of we made up so many games like that that group of friends that i had we we made up games everywhere we went you know uh, <laughs> if we were like at a playground we would throw like big rocks up in the air and then run and start, like we were just i don't know we always turned everything into a game like we were <laughs> we're always trying to find something to entertain ourselves yeah i guess whatever works and hey if it helps <laughs> you come up with a band name that's gotten a lot of success so yeah. be it <laughs> so now i want to go to your first show as first to 11 and for, well actually first of all I know that everybody's going to be clamoring me to ask this, so I'll ask this anyway. How did you come across Audra? Um, so Audra was uh, a friend of mine that was in, like, local bands and stuff like that. He was doing construction, I think, with Audra's dad. Okay. And they were talking about how she was a just a naturally really good singer, and uh, – Sean, Audra's dad, was kind of like, you know, he's not musical. Audra's mom is not musical. Um, and they were like, well, we, we don't know how to like, you know, where to take this, this girl that's, that's very good at singing. Because they were, I think, more into, you know, sports and things like that. So um, they were like, what, what in Erie, you know, do I do with a, a talented singer? And uh, Bob, who was the, the friend of mine, was like, you gotta, you gotta sign her up for the rock school. My friend Ryan does this thing where he puts kids together in bands and she'd be perfect for that. And uh, when Bob told me that, he was like, this girl is good. Like, this isn't like good for a, a 10 year old good. This girl is like, like really good. Right. So, um, you know, there were some bands that I put together of kids that were just learning how to play, but I put a note on her, um, her application. And I think I still have her application in this, this closet over here. Um, <laughs> that's great. Which is actually the, the closet that when we started recording the covers, that's, <laughs> that's where she recorded all her stuff was in the closet oh, wow. of this, this basement, which is now, you know, beautifully decorated by my kids. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But uh, by, by yeah, the way, on, if, if, I, I don't mean to cut you off. I apologize. But yeah. if you're not if you're not watching on YouTube, that that is that is his kid's uh, playroom. Yeah, if, <laughs> I feel, if I like to call it that. But anyway, please, please continue. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, I wrote on her application like needs to be in in, you know, talented band or, or very good band. Um, and it just happened like I think I got her application in maybe two months later. Like I was just sitting on it, like waiting for the right group to come, uh, come up. And that was when the two singers of M4 left. So right. they were like, you know, I want to do this or, you know, cheerleading or baseball or whatever they wanted to do. And uh, so then I called uh, Audra's 
you know, dad and was like, Hey, I've got this opening for this band. Um, you know, I had never actually heard her sing before, but I mm -hmm. knew from, you know, the recommendation of my friend, uh, Bob, that she was really good. So, uh, I was like, we're having practice tonight. If you, if you want to come tonight, because I think they were playing a show, they had practice like every Monday. And I think that they had a show that Friday and okay. the singer had quit. So I was like, Oh, well, they won't be able to play this show you know, without a singer. So I was like, can, can she come to practice like tonight, rehearse a couple songs and then potentially do this show on Friday. And he was like, yep, we'll be there. So I think she was at like volleyball practice or something like that. And okay. her dad just came, scooped her up and was like, we're going to band practice. Like <laughs> the opportunity is now. So she showed up at, at our band practice and like, you know, the boys, you know, all five of them being, you know, 10, 11, 12 year old boys were like, oh we're gonna meet the new singer so they were like as awkward as can be and audrey just showed up like holding on to her microphone with like two hands and like belted out uh a couple songs taylor swift uh adele's rolling in the deep uh journey don't stop believing like there were a lot of songs that she just knew you know off the top of her head um from singing like karaoke and stuff and yeah she she just she was the right one and we were like all right perfect so let's do those songs at this show and I felt kind of bad for the boys because the boys were getting into like heavy music. They were learning like Muse and they were learning, you know, Juliana theory and they were learning all these like heavier bands. And, you know, Audra obviously didn't know any of that sort of stuff. And I was like, you know, I don't want to just make the boys sing Adele, you know, and, and all these songs that were like kind of not their favorite ones to play. Right. So I was like, do you think you could learn a song by Friday? I was just kind of testing her out. Like, so I was like, can you learn Hysteria? And she was like, oh yeah, yeah, I'll try and learn that. And uh, not registering in my brain that there's Def Leppard's Hysteria, which is way more <laughs> popular than the Hysteria by Muse. So she had learned the wrong Hysteria. Uh, yeah. So she, she showed up at the show she, and she, she was ready to sing the Def Leppard one. Times. <laughs> yeah, so that was kind of funny. But I think, you know, we were playing Sweet Child of Mine and she wasn't really familiar with that. Um, and her dad was like, yeah, she can sing that. And so I think she just got through sweet child of mine because i think she did four songs her very first show after only practicing with the band like you know for a few minutes uh, <laughs> just to run those couple songs but yeah she and she's been like that ever since you know when we say what do you think of this she's like yeah i'll do it you know like she she's not like uh oh, i don't know if that's in my range like audra is a machine when it comes to singing like she can sing it in the original key she can sing guy songs she can sing girl songs she can sing you know, every single type of anything, she's literally like the epitome of what, you know, is perfect for the, you know, uh, being a cover band. Like she's so versatile. She can do anything. And look how it's turned out for you. A yeah. lot of success. And at the time of this recording, which is August 9th, 2021, 1.20 million subscribers and counting. How's it working out know. for you? Pretty damn I didn't know good we got to 1.2. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. We're talking to Ryan Kreisiak of First to Eleven on the Bottom Line Podcast. Now, I find this to be very, very fascinating here because you have been with these guys since the very beginning. However, you did not become an official member of First to Eleven until 2019 as the bass guitarist. Now, I know that First to Eleven is not the only band that you are in, but when you became an official member how did it feel being the quote-unquote new guy even though <laughs> you've been working with these guys forever yeah it was kind of weird you know um because i had kind of made the decision you know a long time ago to kind of stay behind the scenes you know what i mean right. where i've i've seen some other bands you know that have their dad in there or they have their you know instructor in there and i i never really wanted to do that i never really wanted to be like hey look at me i wanted to you know have the kids be like the the stars and i wanted them to get all the attention so you know i would i would kind of just stay back all the time and when it came to like doing the covers and everything i was you know i was recording some of the covers i was arranging them i was shooting the videos you know i was doing a lot of the same stuff that i still do but I was right. just, you know, I wasn't showing my face. I wasn't, you know, doing a whole lot. And I think it was like when we hit a hundred thousand 
um, that I like did my first video because I had a lot to you know tell about the story of First to Eleven. So when we hit a hundred thousand, I wanted to make a video that was like kind of telling the story and getting everyone to you know know a little bit about the band that they were watching on YouTube all the time because we had just posted videos, no like personal content or anything like that. So right. it was it was nervous or it was nerve wracking for me to even be in front of the camera with the kids because I was like, oh, I hope everyone's not like weirded out by you know this older dude that is like. <laughs> you know, in this first to 11 video. And then, um, you know, some things started happening as far as like getting opportunities to go fly here and film this video and go do this and, you know, with these people or whatever. And it was getting like, just really exhausting explaining myself to everybody because uh -huh. they were like, oh, we want first to 11 to come and do this. And I was like, well, all right, well, we need, you know, five tickets for for all the you know the kids plus me and they're like who are you again and i'm like i do everything with them you know what i mean like i'm their mm -hmm. manager you know i record the covers and i do the filming and stuff like that and they were like okay and it was just it was it was hard to explain that sort of stuff and i never really liked the title of like manager that always just gave me a bad vibe because like managers are always kind of like jerks and and they butt <laughs> into things and right you know, that was that's not how I really felt like I was involved in the band. I did managerial stuff, but like I also, like I said, was involved in the music and like teaching and 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 doing all that sort of stuff. So um, it was at that point where they were like turning 18 as well. And I was like, it's you know, it's not like they're tiny little kids and I'm this like 30 year old guy. It was starting to like, you know, not look as weird that that I would be, you know, playing with them. So that was when I was kind of like, well, you know, I, I don't want to have to explain this to everybody and be, you know, not able to, to do some sort of stuff because I'm not in the band. And they only had three members at the time because everyone else had went off to college. So it was kind of like, well, let's at least make it to the point that we're a full band. We have guitar, bass, drums, vocals, and right. uh, I'll start, I'll start participating a little bit more. And uh, it's been awesome. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I don't feel like people are like weirded out by me being older than them or anything like that. But, um, you know, it makes me feel young again. And, and, and it is super fun. It, it's, you know, kind of weird because they're at different points, obviously in their life, like where they're, you know, they're doing their, their concrete castle stuff and they want to go see the world and they want to, you know, go and do all this other stuff. And, right. you know, that's like, go ahead, go, go do that that's just like not where I'm at right now. So right, I'm, right. I'm doing this sort of stuff, you know, with, uh, with the kids and, and teaching. <laughs> and um, so first to 11 is awesome because there's not really that pressure to be away from home. You know what I mean? We can do mm -hmm. it right here in Erie. We can do it all together. It doesn't occupy too much of our time. So it's just kind of, you know, it works out that we can both be, you know, like I said, in different places of our lives, but still be able to get together and, and do the thing that we, that we like doing together. Yeah, it seems it seems to have uh, been making a really fine living for you, especially. But also at the time of this recording, over 290 million views on YouTube, also and counting. So I just wanted to uh, crunch some numbers right there, because obviously you guys have had a lot of amazing mainstream success over the years. I want to get more into the Concrete Castle stuff in just a few short moments here, but Talk about the other country band that you're in. I forget what the name, I think it's like Refugee, I think is something yeah, like that. Yeah, Refuge. Refuge, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's my that's my country band. And, uh, you know, while I was doing like a lot of different cover bands uh, in town, or actually not a lot, I was in an original band that was called Super Number 7. And okay. then uh, I started this cover band called The Cover Up. And The Cover Up was kind of where I got the idea of doing... Um, like pop songs but doing them in a rock format um but it wasn't it wasn't like an original idea i had some friends that were doing that sort of stuff too and actually right. they're going to be featured in a video sometime soon too because they were like the inspiration for you know doing pop songs in a rock format um so nice. we're gonna do a cool collab with them coming up um but you heard it here first on the bottom line new collab coming <laughs> <Yeah>. up soon <laughs> please, please continue um, no i'm sorry ryan but yeah, they they were kind of what got me started on that. And uh, I did this band called The Cover Up for a while that that basically did what First to Eleven is doing now. But we right. just, you know, played bar shows and, and things like that. And then when that kind of fizzled out, 
and it was mainly because we couldn't find a singer, you know, that was like Audra that could do Katy Perry and, and, you know, all these different, different types of, um, you know, vocal, you know, uh, and, and, and do it justice. Right. So it was really hard to keep that going. So then I joined a country band because I was running sound at the time. So I was like doing sound for local bands and I saw, you know, these guys hired me and I saw the, the, the crowd that they got. And I was like, man, there are a lot of country music fans. You know what I mean? Like they, they yeah. are just massive in numbers and loyal too. you know, they, they will come out to every country, you know, concert. Cause it's more of like a, an experience to them. You know what I mean? It's not really that they have a huge attachment to the music. They just like the atmosphere of, you know, tailgating and, and coming and listening to, to that sort of stuff and being part of that community. So it was kind of cool to, to be a part of that because, you know, rock music is very, you know, it's like, I'm the best and I don't like anyone else. And, and it's very judgmental and stuff like yeah. that. And I always felt like the country, country music scene is very just like friendly. Everybody is like, you know, buds. And uh, I really liked that. And I, I, ne I never really liked country music um, right? because like, I always thought it was just kind of, you know, it didn't have a lot of like emotion to it. It was kind of like very just surface level. Um, and at least that's what I thought. And uh, so I started giving it a chance and, and started looking more into it, found some bands that kind of bridged the gap between rock music and country music. And and I started to, you know, just appreciate country for what it was. And, mm. uh, you know, there's like a, there's a beauty in writing a country song. You have to, you know, write things literally because, you know, rock music, you can create all these metaphors and stuff like that. And no one really knows what you're talking about, but country, you just have to put your heart on your sleeve and, and say exactly what you're, what you're feeling. And, and it's kind of cool. It's a different style of writing. And, uh, I kind of latched onto it. And, and there are a lot of country songs now that, that hit me, you know? in the in the fields so mm -hmm. yeah it was just something that i was really narrow-minded about at the beginning but you know once i opened up and and kind of allowed it to come in i really i really kind of fell for it and it's uh it's something that's really easy to play because like there's not a ton of like flashy guitar solos in country it's like right. get in get out play a couple chords you know it's 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 more about the songwriting than it is like the the musicianship which i really like too yeah, because I, I was also going to say that seems to be like the new like mainstream type of music that there is today. I, I, I know like a lot of people absolutely love country music, especially today with all these country artists that are coming out of the gate like this. But yeah. I also know that there are a lot of people that do not like it at all because they, <laughs> yeah. they're all saying like, oh, every single country song is basically the same. It's about love. It's about trucks. It's about this. It's about that. <laughs> so you get all of these mixed reviews on it. But at the end of the day, country is like, you either really, really love it, like half the population, or you're like the other half of the population that absolutely cannot stand it and yeah. thinks that every single song is the same. So for you, I know, I know that's got to be something that you hear a lot. Yeah, I mean, it is it is 100% valid. Like if you if you like, you know, Polyphia or Dream Theater or something where the musicianship mm. is incredible, then oh, yeah, yeah. you're going to hate country music because it's it's <laughs> it's not the musicianship just I mean, it's there, but it's not it's not on that level. But right. Like, uh, yeah, what I think a lot of people don't understand and they'll say the same thing about pop music, too, is it's all oh, it's the same four chords. Um, yeah, it is the same four chords, but there's so much more that goes into writing a hit country song. It's oh, more yeah. about, you know, like I said, the songwriting. It's more about the the story and the presentation of that story. And, you know, there's so much more that goes into it. So you can write a beautiful, I don't know, like opus song, but if like the if the if it doesn't connect with someone on an emotional level, you you've isolated 90% of your audience. You know what I mean? Because only 10% are going to understand how intricate the musicianship is and 90% of them are going to understand the emotional connection. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's just, you have to understand what its purpose is and not confuse it for something else. That's the big thing is that mm. you've got to understand that like you might think that you can write a pop song like that, but you can't, you know what I mean? The people that write those songs are so well seasoned and they they understand you know what's going to sell and what's going to get someone to attach themselves to it you definitely can't take like uh you know a four chord song and write 
I'll only love you when I'm not with you. You're I'm blue. You know what I mean? You can't write really generic lyrics to a song like that. You have to write something that's going to identify or with a lot of people. And, uh, and it's, it's really tough to do. So it, it might seem like it's easy, but if you told any of those people, you think you can write a country song, go ahead and write one, you know, make your million Mm. dollars if you think it's that easy, but it's not. (laughs) Yeah. You, you, you definitely got to prove yourself in the music world, especially when it comes to writing a country song, you are not wrong about that. So let's go to the concrete castle stuff. Cause I, obviously I know that you, you are not a part of the concrete castle stuff, Mm -hmm. but you obviously do know about it because they have a lot of great stuff coming up. They already released four singles. They're coming out with a debut album in a few short weeks already. It's going to be amazing. And it actually comes out. I was talking to uh, to Sam about this when I had him on. It actually comes out the day that I start my new hockey job with the ProTech Ducks. So they oh, just nice. gave me something to jam along to my right to work. So I appreciate that from them. So they got that coming out. They're going on tour with Against the Current. So a lot of amazing stuff. So I know that obviously you were not a part of it because, listen, you got a wife, you got kids, (laughs) you got a beautiful family, you got a lot of other stuff on your plate. So I totally understand. However, was it a hard decision not to be a part of this? Um, Yeah, I mean, I kind of wrestle with it all the time, you know, where I'm like, Oh, maybe I could have done it or, or maybe I should, or like, I'm changing my mind, like left and right, because mm-hmm. it's, it's, um, you know, there's some stuff that I could do and some stuff that I couldn't do. Right. So like, um, you know, when I talked to Dave at the very beginning, Dave is the, the owner of the record label, uh, velocity that they're on. Mm-hmm. So he, I came or he came to Erie and I had uh, dinner with him and Audra. And we kind of just talked about like, you know, this is a few years ago. We were like, all right, well, where is this going to go? You know? And he, it was right when I had started playing in first to 11 and he was like, where, where do you fit in with this? And I was like, to be honest, like if it's going to be, you know, this huge, you know, kind of major label thing, then, and it's going to be, you know, something that makes sense for, for my schedule and my family and stuff like that, then I, I would love to be a part of it. Um, But I was like, I'm, I'm kind of over the, the band in a van kind of lifestyle you know what i mean right right you know i i can't i i don't want to go out you know a month at a time and you know play shows for minimal amounts of money and you know be struggling to to get by um and luckily because of first to 11 you know no one's ever really going to be struggling to get by we're very grateful and and we're in a really good position to be able to do things like what concrete castles is doing because of first to 11 um but i was like you know i just I can't, you know, I can't bring myself to do that. So, uh, and he was kind of like, well, they're going to have to start at the beginning, you know, and work their way up as an original band. And I was like, yeah, then that's probably not for me. Um, Mm -hmm. So I, I just kind of, you know, don't want to be that overbearing dude either. That's like, you know, you've got to do everything with me. And because, you know, my whole goal from the beginning was for them to, to grow up and be amazing musicians all on their own. They're all, you know, very competent, um, musicians and 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 making decisions and they've learned so much um Mm. that i'm not necessarily like worried about you know the the care that they're going to be in or anything like that it's kind of just like you know uh the record label's awesome and they couldn't be in like cooler company you know with the people that they're working with um so it's just kind of you know like what you said about the album coming out i'm still i don't know when the album comes out because i'm kind of like trying to keep my my distance and and be a fan you know what i mean and just right, be supportive right, yeah. of, of what they're doing um so like sometimes i like hear them talking about concrete castle stuff and i like you know kind of close my ears and because like i don't want to like jump in and be like oh you guys should do this and like right I, no i i, I, wrestle, I totally i totally get I, that i wrestle with it all the time and and i'm like um you know i i want to be involved but then i don't and then i do and, and it's it's probably exhausting for them when I like give my opinion on stuff and then I, and then I rescind it. And then I'm like, I don't care what you guys do to go do whatever you want. Um, but it's, it's, you know, it's because I care so much about those kids and, you know, I want, you know, them to do, but I also want them to go and do their own thing. So it's, I wrestle with it, like I said, all the time, but they're the tour that they're doing right now um, with against the current, like, mm. it's funny. I've been making fun of them like this whole time. Uh, because I said, like, when you guys 
you know, join this label and you guys go and do touring, like you guys need to be on like a tour with against the current or our last night, or, you know what I mean? Like that would be Ooh. perfect. So I was like, I was really pushing for that. And I was like, I don't want to do the band in a van thing, but if you guys were doing like fly dates where you went from this city to this city and you guys were only gone for a week, that's like, that's the touring life that I'd be down with. You know what I mean? Right, where you're yeah. Just gone for like short amount of times. Uh, and that's like exactly what they're doing. And I'm like, oh man, I could have went and did that. And, <laughs> oh um, man. <laughs> and what's crazy is that go, go they're ahead. doing this tour. Um, and the first, uh, the first date that they're playing with Against the Current is in Orlando. And it right. just so happens to be the exact day that me and my family were going to Disney World. So Ooh. it's the exact day that we have like an open day in Disneyland where we're not going to a park. So I'm going to get to go see the the very first Concrete Castle show with Against the Current, you know, in Sweet. Orlando. Uh, and it's, yeah, I'll just be able to, I don't know how far away the venue is from, from where we're staying, but like I'll be able to be <laughs> there for that one. And then they're going to fly to like, I think Chicago and then Dallas and then LA. They're, they're going all over the place. But yeah, that yeah. seems like a lot of fun. You know, that, that's amazing that you're going to be able to go see the first show. Now, the first show that you actually were a part of for Concrete Castles was in um, Atlantic City at the AC Beer and Music Festival. And I mm -hmm. had the privilege of being in attendance for that and meeting all of you guys. And uh, I said it to Sam. And again, I apologize for not saying it earlier to Audra and Matt when I had them on. But I'm just going to say it again. You guys are definitely some of the nicest people I have ever talked to. Out of all the, out of, out of every single band that I've met so far, from like Breaking Benjamin to Seether, et cetera, et cetera, you guys are definitely at the top of some of the nicest guys I've ever talked to. You're so laid back. You care so much about your fans. It truly is unbelievable. So it was really, really an amazing, amazing show, an amazing experience to meet all of you. But the first time you saw them on that stage, you must have been thinking to yourself, Damn, I must be one proud guy seeing these kids up on stage doing that what they're doing, not to mention performing their own original songs, which I'm sure was a lot easier for them. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was one of those things that it was their it was their first show. And I was like, there's no way I'm missing that. I don't care where it right. is. You know, I'm going. So <laughs> it ended up working out that I I played a show here in Erie and then I. I think I drove right to Pittsburgh, got on a plane at like four in the morning and then flew to Philadelphia and then drove an hour or two to Atlantic City from Philadelphia. So I could be there at what, I think they started at 11 a.m. or something like that. Right. It was well, like, I, it was really I, I, early. I think, I think it was at like, I think it was like what, like 12 or was noon, it, I think? Or may, yeah, maybe it was at, at noon. But like I had okay. to do all that in the morning so that I could get to Atlantic City and then you know, I watched them play. We went and got IHOP afterwards. And then I flew right back home. You know, like I, I, I had to be there for that show. Um, because they, you know, I've been with them for so long. There was no way I was missing that for sure. No, no. Yeah, absolutely. You, you had to be there. And the fact that you're going to be there for their first show on tour in Orlando really, really is amazing. So I want to get into your kid Cohen for a second, because he, <laughs> okay. he now is a YouTube channel and yeah. look, he is amazing. He's already, look, he's better than I am at drums. And that's saying something. <laughs> I've, been I've been playing for like freaking, I don't know, almost 10 years. And your kid has way more experience on drums than I do. So I, I definitely <laughs> got to give it up for him. How did, how did you first get into wanting to start a YouTube channel for Cohen? Um, I mean, he just, uh, you know, like when I first had Quinn, my, my daughter, she's uh, seven. And right. I, she like used to sleep with drumsticks and we had this like little drum pad. I think it's, yeah, it's laying around right over here. Oh, there you go. <laughs> there yeah, it is. That's it. <laughs> again, again, if, if you're not, if you're not watching on YouTube, well, we'll, we'll try and uh, somehow, some way post the visual image for you. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, she was, she was like in love with drums and she played, played all the time. And I think when Cohen was born, you know, Quinn was three and she, you know, just was kind of doing like what a normal three-year-old would do, you know, just hitting stuff, really enjoying herself. Right. Um, but then Cohen saw her and, and he started playing and then he just like, he like locked onto it. He was not just hitting things. He was like playing in time. So he, like the very first thing that he did was he was listening to um, 
Devil by Shinedown. And he loved that song. And this is before he could even talk. Because when I would be like, you know, what song do you want to listen to, bud? And he was like, Dadu. You know, like he he couldn't say devil. But Aww. he was like, he was just playing in time, like on the hi-hat to, to this Shinedown song. And then he started to get, you know, both hands going. Like where he was playing the snare and the hi-hat at the same time. And right. he was probably, you know, like two years old. And uh, so I was taking him to the rock school. I, I built a little, you know, drum set for him down here. And uh, he just eventually was like, all right, now I want to get the kick drum involved. So because he's so little, you know, I had to, to build this tiny drum set that he could reach the kick drum and be able to play, you know, with his hands at the same time. So I had to like chop up this electric drum set and cut off some of the pieces so that I could <laughs> lower it to get it to the point where he could actually play it. And then from that point, he just started playing every song. He's playing Foo Fighters, he's playing Muse, he's playing, you know, Rob Zombie, he's playing all of these songs. And I'm like showing him like how to count it and stuff. And I think he he understands it, but he like, he doesn't really like, he's not like a traditional like uh, one and two and three and four and, you know what I mean? He understands all that stuff, but he does a lot of it by ear. So he just, he's a natural, he loves, he loves playing and and nothing stops him from playing, you know, because I made sure that he's got drum sets and guitars and everything is just laying out, you know, all over the floor. It's like a mix of like Paw Patrol toys and uh, and and guitars and amps and drums and stuff like that just strewn <laughs> across my floor at all times. Oh, um, man. But yeah, he's just he loves it. And he's he's learned how to play guitar now. And uh, he's been messing around on the piano. And I think he has perfect pitch, too, which is incredible so he's just he's he's a natural and luckily his dad is a music teacher you know what i mean so it's just really like he has this natural talent and i'm able to be there to help him you know with when he gets stuck with stuff or if he has questions with stuff and we work on you know music like i don't know 15 20 minutes a day we don't we don't really like uh set aside a time for it it's just when i see him upstairs and he's got his guitar on i'll come by and sit with him and be like Hey, you want to learn how to play this song? And I'll be like, it's C G A F, you know, and he'll be like, all right. And then he plays. So he's learning, um, he's learning some Blink 182 songs now. And he's just he's like is for being a music teacher's kid, like he's he couldn't ask for anything better. Like he's <laughs> the perfect student, and he is he just turned five, well, in April, but um mm. he's gonna be he's gonna be a beast. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, he, he's already a beast. For a five-year-old, he's already a beast. He's an April baby like I am. So, hey, it works out. But in all seriousness, though, please go subscribe to Cohen's YouTube channel. I'll leave a link in the description section he's got, for you so you can check that he's out. He's got one more drum cover, I think, going up. But he's just been he's been crazy about guitar lately. So we're going to try and try and switch him over and do some some guitar covers. So he's been he's been dormant a little bit on his on his channel. But he's got one more drum cover and then... He wants to do some some Blink 182. He wants to do some some uh, Marilyn Manson. He's into right now too. So Jeez. he's gonna maybe do some ghost covers. Um, he he's he's getting excited about playing guitar. <laughs> You're raising him right, man. That's awesome. That's awesome stuff. Just a few more quick questions here before we sign off, because unfortunately mm -hmm. our time is coming to a close. Just a few more quick questions here, and I'm sorry for not asking this one before. I meant I asked before how you met Audra. How did you first come across meeting uh, Sam? I don't remember how exactly he got involved, but his brother was a former student of mine. Okay. And uh, I think he had taken lessons at the music store that I worked at, but with a different teacher. Sam did. Right. Um, so I think that, you know, he, it didn't work out with that teacher. And someone was like, you, you need to try and get lessons with Ryan. So I think someone suggested him to 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 take lessons with me and um you know we hit it off right away he was like i said like a a prodigy student from the beginning he he is very knowledgeable he's more of like a you know a mental learner than like matt is more of like a hands-on kind of learner and uh but sam just absorbed everything and you know he's just like he's like cohen he's like he's just a prodigy like musical it's just in his blood and uh he was in another band because there were already three guitar players in M4 right. and he was friends with all of those kids too. Cause they're the same age. And he, uh, he just kind of played in this band called Jack's mom, like parallel to 
um, what what first to eleven was doing. And and Jack's mom was more like a rock oriented, less pop, you know what I mean? More rock oriented band. Yeah. And uh, it just made sense when Bo and Chad and Charlie all left the band. The first person that we we got in was Sam, um, nice. because he was just he was always ready to go. You know what I mean? He was <laughs> he was in Jack's mom. And he was a guitar player in that band. And then uh, he showed interest in playing drums. So then I was like, all right, well, bud, how about I put you in this other band, which was Rose Gun Vibe. And um, they needed a drummer. So I was like, why don't you learn how to play drums with this other band? So he was in Jack's Mom and Rose Gun Vibe. And he was playing with both of those. So that was where he learned how to play drums. And then when uh, Bo left for college out of First to Eleven, then he came in and started playing guitar in First to Eleven. And then when Charlie left, to go to college, he went and switched over to drums. So Sam was gotcha. just like, kind of like training himself to be this, this utility knife musician um, while we were just <laughs> waiting for all the other kids to, to go off to college, I guess. Interesting stuff. Wow. I kind of like that. I kind of like that. Now, before I let you go, just got one more quick question here for you. Mm -hmm. Out of all of these years of you working with all these kids at the rock school and with you being a musician, what has been the one constant thing that you have taken away from your time doing all this? Oh man. Uh, you know, it's just, uh, you know, kind of like what Matt said is, is being consistent and really like being able to, to step back, you know, from situations mm. um, where, you know, if you're looking at things like this, you know, with your, your face so close to it, it's really difficult to see, you know, the big picture. So there were, right. there were some times with, with first to 11 <clears throat> where we, you know, we thought that they were going to get signed to, you know, a different label, or we thought that the Disney channel was, you know, interested in them. And there were a lot of different things that we thought like were going to happen. And, and, you know, you just kind of learn to, to just, you know, take a step back. And if it doesn't work, you know, what am I going to do? If it does work, what am I going to do? So it's, mm -hmm. it's a lot of planning and just like, uh, you know, being able to see past the, the bad things too. So when, you know, it's a rough day, maybe our, you know, our video didn't do as well as, as we hoped it would, or, you know, it's not being as successful as some of our other videos or, um, you know, things like that. And it's, it's, it's hard not to look at it and be like, all right, we need to change everything we're doing, or maybe we just need to stop doing what's the point. You know, if we're not going right. to be doing a good job, then why even do this anymore? So mm -hmm. uh, being able to like take a step back and look and be like, you know, how, uh, how can we regroup and how can we, you know, look at this thing and learn from it? And, you know, how can we, uh, you know, just improve upon what we're doing? Because, you know, the answer is never giving up and, and, starting over you know what i mean exactly you can always try new things and at the same time keep you know what you have going and and i think that that's a, a thing that musicians they do kind of like suffer from sometimes is they'll be like all right i've got this really famous band but i'm getting bored with what this this famous band is doing because i've been doing it for so long and they're like mm -hmm. i want to start this side project and then they kind of like well i have to end that that main band to do this side project or, you know, I want to reinvent myself. I want to start from zero. And I feel like that's, you know, that's not really the answer. Like, I know you want to be artistic, but, you know, you kind of have to look at it as like, a, let's just try this new thing. You don't always have to throw out the old thing to try a new thing. You can right. a lot of times do two things at the same time and you can, you can, uh, you know, kind of split your efforts and, and, and try and make things worth. You don't, or work you don't necessarily have to, to be all in on one thing or all in on another thing, you know, just be, you know, versatile and roll with the punches and, you know, you'll come out on top, I guess. <laughs> what a terrific answer and what a terrific way to end an awesome interview. Ryan, you are the man. Thank you so, so much <laughs> for agreeing to do this. I truly appreciate it. And like I always say, you and the rest of the band are always welcome back anytime. Thank you so much again for doing this, man. We'll take you up on that. <laughs> <laughs> Please, dude. I promise we won't bite. We're, we're, not, we're not that cruel. But no, in, in all seriousness, th thank you so much again, Ryan. This was a ton of fun. Of course, man. Thanks for having me. Of course, anytime. He is Ryan Kreischak, the leader of it all for First 12. And make sure you go subscribe to First 211 on YouTube, as well as follow them on Spotify. And go subscribe to Cohen's YouTube channel as well. Again, I will leave a link in the 
description section se section excuse me if i could speak english to end this that'd be great new stuff coming out soon for first to 11 and on cohen's channel so stay tuned for that this concludes our four-part series with first to 11 and concrete castles on the one-on-one -on -one series we thank you so much for watching more great guests coming your way very very soon so stay tuned for updates for ryan krashiak i'm jimmy finizzi this is the bottom line podcast thank you again for tuning into the one-on-one -on -one series and we'll see you next time Peace and take care.